0: Well, I appreciate so much our worship team, the guys that uh, lead us every week uh, today. Jeff, for being the point person on that team, great job today. Thank you for the way that you guys lead us. Well, today we are uh, at the second installment of what's going to be a four-part series that we've entitled uh, Pet Sins That Bite. And if you weren't here last week, just to introduce what the, the concept is. We all know that there are the big sins, the things that are just, they're obviously deadly, they're, they're the things that you know you need to stay away from, and you know, like the Ten Commandments takes you to a, to a lot of those. You know, you know, adultery is going to get you in a lot of trouble, or killing, or stealing, or those kinds of things. Those are like the big, hairy, ugly ones, right? But there are these other things that we would say, oh, we know that's a sin, but... The things that we look at them and think... It's not really that big a deal. And some of these things we become so comfortable with that we sort of make them pet sins. It's like we build a little little pen in the yard of our lives and say, it's not that I really am proud of this or want everybody to know about this, but, but there are these things that I do that, you know, it's not like I'm killing anybody. It's not like I'm, you know, sleeping with somebody else's husband or wife. It's just a little pet sin. And what we started talking about last week is how these little pet sins are pets that bite. They're always going to wind up hurting us. The truth of the matter is they constantly are hurting us. They're going to hurt others. And that if we really want to experience the fullness of Christ in our lives and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and His intimacy in our lives, we've got to be willing to have those things rooted out of our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about another of those pet sins. And this is one that touches most of our lives. Today we're going to be talking about gossip. This is a hard one. So I want you to just go ahead, reach over right now, touch your neighbor, look him in the eye, and say, this one's for you. (laughs) Yeah, and for all of you watching online, this one's for you, too. We are glad to have you all tuned in with us online as well as those of you who are here today. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if, uh, if today what I say really bugs you and you don't agree with it. The good news is you can go home and gossip about me later on. But uh, no, if you've come today with some good juicy gossip, you better get it out in the next 30 seconds because it's going to be hard after that to want to get it out when we consider what God has to say to us about this today. It, It really is my earnest hope that today God would speak to us in a way that would bring about transformation, that would cause us to really examine ourselves and be willing to make change so that we would just be Right there, centered up on what He wants for us. and So we're going to begin today the same way that we did last week, as we'll begin each week in this series. There is a simple scriptural prayer that I want us to pray together as we just invite God to work in us in this time. It's the very first passage that you'll see in your outline. You'll see it on the screen from Psalm 139. This is a prayer of David. Would you pray this aloud with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Boy, that that middle line there, that's so much of the heart of David, I believe this is such a big key in why God used David so powerfully because he was a man who was constantly willing to say, God, point out anything in me that offends you. I don't want to make excuses for it. I don't want to give myself, you know, to say, 90% of my life, God, I'm going to live for you, but I'm going to hold back this little 10% that I just, I, I need to leave some room for things that I enjoy that may not please you. No, God, search me and help me to deal with every part of my heart That's our prayer today. As we start, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been gossiped about? Let me see your hands. That is just about universal. And truth be told, those who didn't have their hands raised, you probably have been gossiped about, you just didn't know about it. We've all been talked about. And it doesn't feel good when it's gossip, does it? I I didn't have any idea when I actually transitioned from being a student pastor, to being a senior pastor, how that ratchets the level of gossip about you up from, you know, kind of a, a two or a three up to like a nine or a ten. It's crazy. And I guess maybe it's that much worse when you live in sort of a smaller community, but man, I will never forget the uh, the year leading up to me stepping out and planting a church for the first time. There was a church split that took place in the church that I, I served in at the time, and that was the first time that I just remember just feeling like I hit the brick wall of, of people gossiping in a way that I had never encountered before because on a massive scale, it was just announced that that I had helped in this church split, which I didn't have anything to do with, and that these hundreds of people who went out and started a new church were then told, well, because, oh, by the way, behind the scenes, I got approached right after the split. Hey, would I come and be a part of it? And I ended up saying, no, I, I can't do that. This whole thing was... There was so much deception and all, and I'm not going to go and be a part of that. And so it was announced that, you know, well, actually, I was a part of helping to create this, but the budget wasn't going to allow them to bring me on staff yet. And so I, I wasn't going to be there because the budget wouldn't allow for it. And all these people start telling me this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't have anything to do with this whole thing that the, the whole town is talking about. And then a year later, when I answered God's call to step out and start a new church, it wasn't a split, it was just stepping out starting where there wasn't anything. And, you know, when you're young and naive, you just think that that the church, that just Christianity in general, that other believers would go, cool, God's doing something new. There's going to be a new church. People will be reached, and that's going to be a good thing. Can I just tell you, that is not how people respond when there's a new church plant it's seen as a threat or whatever by a lot of unhealthy people and so you know all of a sudden I'm hearing all these reports back about what we're doing and how you know we're not the church on the eastern shore we're the cult on the eastern shore and I'm hearing all, about all this stuff that I'm doing that I'm not doing you know about how you know I'm brainwashing these people and you you wind up having to take this class and and take this test at the end to see if you've really accepted all this stuff and you have to pass the test to get in the church and I'm like Who are they talking about? This doesn't have anything to do with me or what we're doing. But, you know, you just hear all this stuff. It's it's the talk about you. And holy smoke, let me just say, none of that stuff could hold the candle to the last three years. Wow! I had no idea. I would have to be three people to do all the things that I've heard that I've done. And, and it got to the point, I mean, it, it was heartbreaking to hear all this gossip come back to me, but it got to the point, it just became laughable. It was like the last big one that I heard, I don't know, it was probably a little over a year ago, that a, a member of the church here pulled me aside and said, so have you heard the latest about yourself? And I'm like, no, probably not. So what is it? And they said, well, it is known as a fact now in the community, because a member of your last church actually has, the, has personal knowledge of this, that you are now married And the reason that this person knows this is they went to your house and had a conversation with your wife. I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I wasn't even dating at the time. And I'm like, well, maybe they could introduce me to my wife then. And it's the nature of gossip. It doesn't have to have any truth to it. And in fact, I discovered along the way as a pastor, when you you don't tell, you know, the parts of your life that you'd like to keep private. Oh, those juicy tidbits. If you won't tell us, we'll make up a version that we like. It's what people will do. And bottom line is just very simple. You don't have to be a pastor to know what this feels like. We've all been gossiped about, and it always winds up hurting us. It winds up hurting us and and the people around us. And so today, we're going to be talking about gossip, what it really means, what God thinks about it, and then how we address it. So we want to begin today by just defining this thing that we're talking about. And Rick Warren is one of my all-time favorite pastors. I think he gives us a great working definition. I've given to you there in your outline. He says this that when we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem nor part of the solution, then we probably are gossiping. Wouldn't you agree with that? If you're talking about a situation involving other people and Who you're talking with isn't part of the problem or the solution? Well, you can pretty much say you're gossiping in that moment. And we may look at that and go, yeah, but, I mean, that's just life. You're you're going to have to do that, aren't you? I mean, isn't that just part of, of living? Surely God can't be that bothered about that, can he? Well, let me just tell you, he is very much bothered by it. He hates it. Proverbs 6 gives us one of those lists that we don't like. It's the list of the seven things that God absolutely hates. Now, before you read it, let me just ask you, when you just think about that in theory, you're going to make the list of the seven things that God hates the most. Now, think about the things that you would include on that, you know. He's got to hate murder. He's got to hate rape and just, you know, the big, bad, ugly things. And then you actually read the list of what God hates And here's two of the seven. There are seven things that the Lord hates and cannot tolerate. A witness who tells one lie after another. That is the nature of most of our gossip. Whether we realize that what we're repeating is lies. It's almost always a twist on the truth. So it's got falsehood. And someone who stirs up trouble among friends. Which gossip always does. Gossip is always designed to stir trouble. Those two faces that are like the two sides of the coin that is gossip. And God said, if I'm going to make a top seven of things that I hate most, here you go. Gossip is at the heart of it. And at some level, don't you hear that and kind of go, really? God's that offended about gossip? And let me just tell you, the answer is, yes, he is. And if you do like me and you just go, well, okay, so why is God that stirred up about gossip? I mean, is it really... That hurtful? Is it really that harmful? Why would God care that much about gossip? I'll give you two good reasons why God hates this. First of all, because it just reveals the depravity and the, the sickness of the human heart that we would enjoy repeating, retelling the nastiest, most disappointing, saddest things about other people. Because we do. We, we make a pastime out of that. And God hates that we do that. But I'll tell you what I think is far more the biggest reason that God hates this so badly. And every parent in the room will get this instantly. You know, I, I, I've realized over time that I've developed a bit of a thick skin. I mean, you better not be a pastor if you're not going to have a bit of a thick skin because people are going to talk about you. And I can deal with it when people talk about me. I either can answer it or I can, you know, I can live with it. But I've learned to cope with that. But I'll tell you what. Don't you talk about my kids. Don't you gossip about my kids. I don't care if what you're saying is true. If it runs my kids down, you and I have a problem. Well, you feel the same way about your kids, don't you? I mean, I hope you do. We all feel that way about our kids. It's like, you may talk about me, and I can deal with it, but don't you talk about my kids. This is why God hates gossip, because every time we gossip, we're talking about one of His kids. You think you get mad when people talk about your kids? You ought to see how God reacts when people talk about it. His kids. It ticks him off. He won't stand for it. And so this stuff that we make, oh, well, everybody does it. I want to tell you, God ain't saying, oh, everybody does it. God is saying, don't you talk about my kids. That person that you're talking about, whose character you're assassinating, whose reputation you're poisoning in a certain circle, that's my son. That's my daughter. Don't talk about them like that. This is heavy, weighty stuff to God. But sadly, there's something still sickeningly attractive about gossip for us, isn't there? Wouldn't you agree with that? It's okay to do this if you agree. There's something we like about it. Uh, Solomon spoke well when he wrote uh, Proverbs 18.8, and he said, the words of a gossip are like tasty bits of food. People like to gobble them up. It's like, you know, juicy little bits of gossip it's just like going to a party that's got great finger foods everywhere it's just ooh, that was so good but i got to try that one and it's just another translation of that same verse says it goes down to a man's inmost being it's kind of like mm, mm, mm. that was just good all the way down as i listened to that juicy story about so-and-so we enjoy it would you not agree we enjoy gossiping some of you are looking at me like i'm afraid it's a trap if i say yes we do. We enjoy this thing, and do you know why we enjoy? It? I'll give you three reasons why we enjoy it. First of all, we enjoy gossip because it gives us a sense of power and importance, doesn't it? You know that I now know some dirt on John Beck, so I now have some some power. You know, I, I'll just see who I want to share this with, John, because I know a little dirt on you, and it's like, and it, it gives me a, a feeling of importance with other people. Who am I going to include in my circle that we can know together some stuff about old John over here? So it gives me a sense of, of peeling, uh, 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 of power. and I'm one up on John because I know a little dirt on John over here. I'll tell you what else it does. Hearing gossip makes me feel better about myself. I mean, I know my own junk, and that pretty much messes with my self-image. But now that I heard this stuff about Tom over here, I'm not feeling so bad about me. Because I mean, that's a pretty juicy story about Tom. In fact, I may need to share that with two or three people because every time I tell that story about Tom, I feel a little better about me. I'm not thinking about my stuff while I'm telling you about Tom's stuff over here. And sadly, you know the other reason, and I'm afraid this may be the biggest reason that we enjoy gossip is when we're bored, it's entertaining. It is. It's why we like soap opera type shows, but this is soap opera in real life. I'm just kind of, you know, bored with work and life and taking care of my house and stuff, and it's like, oh man. Johnny Michelle called. Tell me a story about somebody, and that's that's good stuff. That's suddenly entertaining. Johnny Michelle would never called. Told me ju- juicy stuff, but you know, if you would, it'd be entertaining. <laughs> Sadly, that is just kind of how we operated. I feel better about me. It makes me feel for, sort of more important. And if nothing else, it breaks the monotony of every day. You know, there's a bunch of reasons why it's just these are like juicy little morsels that we just gobble up. But the bottom line is this there is no excuse that makes it acceptable in the sight of a holy God. He says it's wrong and he hates it. In fact, if you want to just brush up on how God feels about it, read through Proverbs in the next month. Woo, he hops all over this one. And the point that he makes is a very simple one. The heart of the matter is this. The world gossips all the time. And you may feel like this is a necessary sin because you know, wherever I go, if I'm at work, I'm around gossip. If I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm around gossip. So I just, I just have to live with gossip as a part of my life. Listen, the culture may be just completely soaking in it, but you and I are called not to be like the culture. We're called to live to a totally different standard, so it doesn't matter how much anybody else in your circle does it, how, many, how much anybody in your small group does it. Jesus gives you and me a totally different standard. So now that brings us to the, the really the heart of the matter, the key question. So how do I live above that? How do I get this thing that has become such a part of my life out of my life? I want to just give you something really practical. Three questions to ask whenever you're taking part in a conversation that involves anyone else. Where somebody else is being brought up who's not there For the conversation. And it's easy to remember. And these questions are easy to answer. Three things to ask to help you overcome gossip. And the first one is this. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Helpful or hurtful. Say it with me. Helpful or hurtful. It's easy to remember. Ask yourself that question. What we're talking about here. The person we're talking about. Is it helpful or hurtful? I don't know of anybody in the New Testament. Whose words were more hurtful. Than a guy by the name of Saul. What he said and did got other people put in prison or killed. He was a bad, bad guy. He said of himself later, I am the worst sinner, period. He hurt people with his words, and God so transformed his life that he would be the one who would pen the words of Ephesians 4.29. Let me just say, if you just memorize one verse for this year, let it be Ephesians 4.29. Such a powerful verse. He said this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That, that little underlined phrase, only what is helpful for building others up. Let that be the test. Is it helpful? Is it building others up or is it hurtful? Proverbs 16:27 says, Useless people make evil plans and their words are like a burning fire. A useless person causes trouble and a gossip ruins friendships. It's the same kind of language that James uses when he talks about, it. you know, he says, an entire forest is set ablaze by one little spark, and the human tongue is that spark. We'll we'll burn down a forest. We'll create a world of trouble just with one little story told in a couple of minutes of time. And it all comes just so simply, so easily. Solomon is saying, you better understand, you'll burn people with what you say if you're willing to gossip. You'll destroy friendships. Things will be different because of what you say. So we've got to be honest and willing to ask, am I hurting or am I helping by what I say? And as you evaluate this, let me just point out a couple of things that those of us who are good, decent, respectable church-going people will do that become disguises for our sin. You ever realize how good we get at this? that when we become really spiritual people, sometimes we don't give up some of our sins, we just dress up our sins. You ever do that? It's like, I can take something bad and dress it up so it don't look so bad. And here's one way I'll do that when it comes to gossip. I'll create a compliment sandwich. You know how to do that? Oh, it's really easy, and I'm very good at it, I hate to say. You start with a compliment. Somebody asks you a question about, you know, Hey, what do you think of uh, Pastor So and So here at this other church? Well, you know, he's a pretty good guy. I've heard some good things about him. I mean, he's been at that church for a long time, served them faithfully. Compliment. But here's where we put the meat on. But you know, there's just something in my spirit that just uh, just doesn't feel good when I'm around him. I just, I'm not sure he's not in it for the financial gain. You ever seen what he drives? And I mean, I just. Stuff I've heard about what he preaches, I, I just don't know. He's just not really just giving them fluff. and I, I don't know. <laughs> gossip. But you know, I mean, he is preaching Jesus, and he is serving faithfully in the church, so I guess he's a pretty good old guy. Compliment. Compliment. Slam. Gossip. Compliment. You ever done that before? Oh, I'm the master at it. If, if you... If you'll say something kinda good on the front end and kinda kinda good on the back end, you can slip in something questionable right in between and still feel good about yourself the whole while. It's like I said two good things and one bad thing. I mean that, that cancels out, doesn't it? We'll do the compliment sandwich. Or we're notorious for this as Christians, we'll just share in prayer meeting. We're not gossiping, we're sharing prayer concerns. And holy mackerel, if you could just videotape what most prayer meetings look like, and you figure out how much time we shared versus how much time we prayed, and good gravy. I mean, some of the folks that I've heard share, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, oh, have you heard? I've got a prayer concern. I need to share. Have you heard about Sister Bertha better than you? You know how Brother... Deadly d he's been going over at her house and talking with her and counseling with her and praying for her. But I heard from a friend whose next-door neighbor lives across <laughs> from them, and they said Deacon D Wright's car was there till midnight when they went to bed. It was still there in the driveway. Somebody else told me they went by about 6 o'clock that morning, his car was still there. I don't think they were praying all night long. <laughs> in fact... I think they may have been guilty of the sin of fornication right there, the, and they just said they were praying for one another. I mean, we need to pray for them. Don't That's not a prayer concern. That's a gossip session shared in a Christian setting. Look, it, I use the same line all the time, and I think it serves us well if we live by it. If you can say it, you can pray it. Why don't you pray it instead of saying it? because it's amazing how much of the gossip gets stripped away when we're telling it to God. I mean, seriously, you know, when we get together, when you do the prayer circle thing, and the question gets asked, does anybody have any prayer concerns? Wouldn't it serve us a whole lot better instead of taking the next 20 minutes to hear everybody tell a little story about somebody, instead of doing that and then taking five minutes to pray about it? What if we took the next 25 minutes, and if you can say it, you can pray it, and you voice your concerns out loud to God, and you'll just be amazed how many of those details you won't have to tell God about. And how in His presence when you're addressing Him, you won't even feel the least bit inclined to share about what Sister Bertha better than you has been doing. Amen? So search your own heart. It's what I'm sharing. Is it helpful? Is it hurtful? And have I disguised it as something spiritual? And one final word about this is, be clear about this. Truth and lies do not define what's gossip and what's not. I mean, we may say, well, that wasn't gossip. That was just the truth. One doesn't disprove the other. Gossip can be true through and through and still be gossip. And this next line is important enough. I put it in your outline. Just remember this. Everything you say must be true, but, every, but not everything that is true must be said. Can I get an Amen. amen. Let's try that one again. Everything you say, it's got to be true, but not everything that's true needs to be said by you. Oh, me, that is the truth. Let me just tell it to you this way. There's some stuff about me that's true that I hope doesn't ever get said, and I'm okay with saying that fact because I know that's true of you too. There's some stuff that's true in your life that you don't want it put up on this screen. You don't want it said from this platform or in small group. Isn't that the truth? So the fact that it's true doesn't mean that it's not gossip. Because there's plenty of stuff that's true that is not helpful. It's not going to build up. So the first question, is it helpful or hurtful? Second question, am I making private matters public? Am I sharing something that really was intended to be kept in confidence? This is a big, big deal. Proverbs 11:13 says, A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. How many of you have ever opened up and in private with one or two people shared something that, whether you called it a secret or not, it was something that you absolutely didn't want to ever be retold, and it got out. You ever had that happen to you? It's happened to a lot of us. I will never forget several years ago a fellow pastor that I, I've liked and enjoyed his company, and we were getting to really know each other and beginning to trust each other. And one day, he and I had some one-on-one time, and we were talking. And I just opened up to him at a level that I had not before. Thought this would be a you know a healthy thing and a safe person to do this with. And I didn't share anything that was like you know a black secret that would destroy my reputation. I just was honest with him about some struggles and challenges and some stuff that I was dealing with in the church. And it was stuff that was shared in a context that absolutely couldn't be repeated outside of that conversation I knew as another pastor. He understood rules of confidentiality and that it wouldn't go any further because it was very personal, the stuff that I shared with him. I didn't really give that another thought until about a week or 10 days later, some people in my church who I knew were also good friends of his came up to me and just said flat out, oh, Pastor so-and-so told us about how you were struggling with blah, 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 and how you were having a problem over here with this person, and so just wanted you to know we'll all be praying about that. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I was so grieved and disappointed to find out that this person that I trusted, that I knew understood that this was confidential material, felt the freedom to turn around and just just to his inner circle, share that with them, and that they're like, we'll sure be praying about that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've never stopped loving this person, never stopped counting him as a friend, but in all the years since, I've also never shared a single other piece of confidential information with him, because I learned you can't do that. You, You find out along the way who you can trust, who you can share confidential stuff with and who you can't. And unfortunately, that kind of stuff cannot be undone. Proverbs 25, nine and 10 says, "When arguing with your neighbor don't betray another person's secrets, others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never again regain your good reputation." That's one we're thinking about, that it's not just about the harm that it does to somebody else when you repeat something that was said in private. But you destroy your reputation when you do that. When people hear you making public, and public doesn't mean that you have to stand up and say it in front of the whole church or in front of a whole small group. It can be sharing it with one other person. But when you do that, you're destroying your reputation. And you just don't get that back. I heard recently of a story that illustrates the weight of this. And I really am afraid of how often stuff like this happens. But there was a couple that went through a really painful time. The husband had been unfaithful to his wife. He had an affair. And he was deeply convicted by this and ended up confessing that to his wife. Did it in the context of counseling. They sat down with their pastor. and I mean, you can imagine just what a difficult time that was for them. But the really cool thing in that was the husband completely broke off the relationship. He wanted to make it right. He, he wanted to be forgiven. He wanted to do the right thing. And boy, to the wife's credit, she wanted to work through it. She wanted it to be reconciled. And so they stayed together. They really got into counseling. And they were going through the hard steps of, of working that out. And it, it can be worked out. In many instances, that can be worked through. And they were doing the stuff to make that happen. And one of the things that, that was working to their good was that this had not been shared publicly out in the community and they were just in a healthy very very tight circle of them and their pastor and counselor were able to work through those issues and the wife was willing to to forgive and work toward you know peeling back the layers of hurt but at some point in that process somebody in that circle felt that they needed to share with a trusted friend with one other person to pray for and support them that's certainly a can be a really wise thing to do. But unfortunately, that friend had one person that they trusted that they could share with to be praying for their mutual friend. You need to remember this: everybody has somebody. Every time you think, I'm just going to tell this one person, and I'm going to say to them, you know, this is just to stay between you and me, and I'm going to share confidential information. You just remember everybody's got somebody. You, you've got. A, a one that you can share with, and they've got a one to share with, and that person's got a one, and that person's got 37. Somewhere down the line, somebody's got more than one, and that's what happened. They shared with one trusted friend who shared with one trusted friend who shared with a whole circle of trusted friends. And you know how this works. That whole thing takes about a minute and a half, it seems like, especially with social media today. And what wound up happening was, in a blink, a whole circle of, of friends and community around them knew the story. They knew of this husband's unfaithfulness. And the tongue started wagging now in the community about what was going on. And the wife was overcome with shame, embarrassment, and grief to the extent that she couldn't cope anymore. And they split and ended in a divorce. Now the thing that is so sickening and downright infuriating about that is that marriage was not killed by infidelity. It was wounded by infidelity. It was killed by gossip. That's how deadly gossip is. The marriage was going to survive the infidelity. It couldn't survive the gossip, the shame, the embarrassment that it brought with it. That's how powerful it is when we make public Private matters. Third question. Is it helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? And finally, am I permitting others to gossip? Boy, if the first two didn't get you, this one will. Because it's one thing to say, all right, I've got to control my tongue. I, I can't be spreading secrets and I can't be saying hurtful stuff. But, oh, doesn't it take it to a whole other level when now I'm actually taking into account the fact that I can't listen to gossip It's just as wrong for me to listen to gossip as it is to participate by spreading it. Proverbs 17, 4 says, Wrongdoers listen eagerly to gossip. Let's say that again. Wrongdoers listen eagerly to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Listening to gossip is just as wrong. Why? Because what you permit, you promote. Boy, say that one with me. What you permit, you promote. It's the truth, isn't it? If you sit there and take part in it, then you're saying, it's okay. It may be that you didn't say one word the whole time. You just let the conversation go on. You're promoting it by taking part in it. And Solomon says that makes us a wrongdoer. And by the way, it's worth remembering in those moments when you're just on the listening end to somebody else who loves to gossip, you always remember this. If they'll gossip to you, they'll gossip about you. Count on it. And you may think, oh, no, no, that's my friend. That's my friend who's got my back. If that friend loves to gossip about other people, don't you kid yourself. He or she will gossip about you to another friend when you're not around. And the safest, godliest thing that you can do is to draw a line and stop it. And I know for some of us, it's like, oh, I could handle everything up to this. But I don't like that. Why? Because... It's confrontational, and we don't like confrontation. Some do not. So I'm going to have a little fun with this. I know it's a heavy subject, so we'll have a little fun with it. I'm going to give you three different options for how to draw the line and bring it to a stop when you're just present, you're not gossiping, and somebody else starts gossiping, and you need to bring it to a stop. So I'm going to give you a nice, loving, gentle option. I'm going to give you a firm and direct option, and I'm going to give you an option with attitude. And just out of curiosity, I, I want to see what the personalities are here. How many of you by nature would say on the front end, I'm probably going to want to do the loving, gentle version of this. Let me see your hands. Several loving and gentle people in the room. Okay, how many of you would say, no, I'm probably going to be more the firm and direct kind of person? All right, now this one I really want to see. How many of you have got a little Medea in you, and you're going to do it with some attitude? <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. All right, we are going to have a little fun with this. Okay, here, Here is one way to do the first option, the, the loving and gentle version, to to just say, hold it. What we're saying right now about Tom, I don't think Tom would appreciate if he were here. And so let's be a friend to Tom and just turn the conversation in another direction. I bet he would appreciate that. Do you agree? That's that's loving. That's gentle. It's not all that confrontational. And some people are going, okay, I think I could do that, and other people are going, you sissy, (laughs) bring on the next version, let's get firm and direct, there you go, all right, so if that's a little too watered down for you, for those of us who lean more toward firm firm and direct, here's a way you can do that, hold it, I just want to remind you that if you've got a problem with that brother or with that sister, The Scripture says you need to go to them. You don't need to be talking to me about that. You need to talk to them. Remember what Jesus said. If you've got a problem with a person, one-on-one, you go talk with them. So this conversation needs to end. Firm, frank, direct, and not ugly. Would you agree? A little more firm there? Some of you are going, that still ain't strong enough. All right, if that's the case, if you've got a little Medea inside you, then, all right, let's just do it with a little bit of attitude, and it's okay. Put your hand on your hip. You may want to get a finger in the air. Go ahead and say it with me. Uh-uh. Uh, come on. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Oh, Where are the people with attitude? Come on now. Uh-uh. Oh, no. That is, that is not right. And I can't hang with you. If you're going to be talking about somebody that I care about, Jesus is clear we are not to be talking about one another, and I'm going to have to separate from you if you're going to do that. Jesus calls me to a higher standard, and he calls you to one too. Now, this needs to end now. It stops today. Understood? (laughs) The latitude? (laughs) Now, now you pick the version. I'm having a little fun with that last one. The bottom line is this. It doesn't matter what your personality is. However firm or gentle you need to be, we've got to draw a line. This is poisoning our souls. It's destroying other people, and it's destroying us. And at this point, you may be thinking, well, shoot, now, I can't talk about anybody. I can't have a conversation that involves anybody else's name. Oh, you can. You can talk about everybody you know. Compliment them to death. Build them up. Speak truth and positive things about their lives till the cows come home feel free to talk as positive as you want to and you know what as much as that may sound like yeah great that just sounds like a lot of fun it's all wonderful it's all good you you get to the point that you bless others that you speak positively about others and you look for the good in others it's amazing how that lifts you up it's like we slime our own souls when we start tearing other people down. And it's amazing how good it feels to be a person that just speaks affirmation and positive stuff. So I'll just, I'll give you two last guidelines as you're thinking about conversations where you are going to speak about other people. First of all, make sure that what you say is constructive and is something that you would say if the person was in the room. Now that's easy enough test, isn't it? Is it something that's, that's positive and that I'd say it the, the very same way if this person were right here next to me that I'm saying about them? Okay, but there is a second thing that I'll say is kind of a caveat to that. On occasion, you will have conversations about somebody not present that are not casting a glowing positive light on them, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. When that is the case... Everyone who's a part of that conversation has to be committed to the very best for that person. Has to be committed to helping that person get to a good place. And your heart in that has to be reaching out to that person. And if you're talking about something negative in their life, it has to be only in a light of how do we reach out to them? How do we help them to come back to the truth? To come back into fellowship? To get back where they need to be? (coughs) I had a an experience this week was a prime example of that my small group leader contacted me about someone and it was about a concern in their life and there wasn't an ounce of gossip in it in either direction it was truly out of a heart that was burdened and really longing to reach out and and we both shared just what limited knowledge that we had of the situation only to say how do we connect how do we help bridge whatever has been broken and the conversation concluded with both of us agreeing on the steps that each of us was going to take to reach out to this person to try and draw them back into fellowship, to just try and make sure that we've done everything possible to, to reach out, to build bridges, and to reconnect, and that nothing was said to tear this person down or cast them in a negative light. We acknowledged what, what has been said and what has taken place that's undeniable to say, all right, so what caused that and how do we overcome that? There are occasions you're going to need to do that. We are a family. And within the family, there are going to be times where you can't put blinders on and go, well, we're only going to be able to say the positive. Let's just pretend like it's all good. Well, sometimes it's not all good. And that's when we have to really demonstrate some maturity and say, when we talk about the bad, it can't be to tear that person down or to show what a rotten scoundrel they are or how much we knew they were going to turn out this way. No, it's got to be with a mindset of, man, that is a brother or sister that God loves, that we care about, how do we reach out to them? And that takes some discipline and effort. Let me tell you, there are plenty of times I have failed at that. We've got to be committed to that as our standard. So to summarize what we've said today, the bottom line is this. Your words matter. They matter big time. Your words make a difference. They make a difference for good or for bad. Let me tell you how much your words matter. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. I've told you before, the the scripture never gives us a picture of at the judgment God replaying on a big screen the greatest failures and sins of our lives. In fact, that's pretty much the opposite of what the scripture says about our sins and the judgment. But Jesus says a very surprising and unusual thing in Matthew chapter 12 where he says But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. We don't get a replay of our lives, but there is an accounting of what we've said. That could be a long conversation. Why is God so concerned even to the final judgment about what we have said I'll tell you a big part of why he's so concerned about it. Because your words have such power. Life and death kind of power. That's exactly what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 when he says, The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death. Your tongue, your words have incredible power. I want to remind you, you were made in the image of God. And though that image has been marred by the fall, there is much about the image of God that still rests in you. And a part of how we reflect God and His greatness is that He is a speaking God. When you think about the greatness of God, the greatness of God is in many ways expressed through His spoken word. I mean, think about how God does what He does. The whole universe as we know it, how did it get here? God spoke it into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Everything that happened in creation, God spoke, and by His spoken word, it came into existence. Everything today that exists, it's in order. There is incredible order to the universe there is a divine designer who is holding everything in place and do you know how the scripture says that he does it he holds everything in place by his powerful what word God speaks everything into order Jesus the revelation of God to mankind according to John He is the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is the word and when Jesus ministered on earth and when he encountered someone who was sick he would speak to them and they would be well when he encountered someone who was demon possessed he would speak he would bind the enemy and the enemy would leave screaming By his spoken word, when he encountered a friend who had been dead and in the grave for four days and he stunk, what did Jesus do to reverse that situation? He spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth, and suddenly death became life. By his powerful spoken word. There is power in what you say. If you belong to Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. And you have the power of life and death. Jesus said to his disciples, on whom he breathed and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He told them that they have the power to bind and to loose. Friends, we're not just repeating some kind of ritual. When you hear me on Sunday, stand up here and lead us in prayer, saying to the enemy, In the name of the Lord Jesus, to every spirit from the kingdom of darkness, assigned to this place or these people, you are bound in Jesus' name. Is that just so we feel better and kind of can feel like, Well, maybe now we're sort of free? No! That's not just so we feel better. Guess what happens in that moment? Spirits that were loose, that had authority, aren't loose anymore. They don't have authority anymore. Why are they bound? They are bound because it was spoken in Jesus' name, and the spoken word has power. Power is unleashed when we speak power to bless and power to curse. Power to give life and power to minister death. It's a big deal that you speak life. This may have sounded like a heavy message. It's actually a good news message because the good news is God lives in you if you've surrendered your life to Christ. The Spirit of Christ is in you and that power resides in you and much of it is going to be expressed through your words. So choose to be a person who encourages, who looks for the best, who believes the best and says the best, who looks for opportunities to build up, to compliment, to speak truth. Be the person that brings life, not who tears down. Jesus will be honored. God will be seen in us and others will be pulled up in the process. Would you join me as we go to the Lord together in prayer right now? Lord, we pause to ask you to please truly search us through and through and to forgive us for the countless ways when we have come up so far short of what we've looked at today, when we've brought harm, damage to reputations, when we've spoken lies or gossip. God, would you forgive us and would you change us I don't want anybody looking around right now, but I, I want to ask you, whether you're here in the room or listening online, watching online, how many of you would say honestly today, what we have talked about is a real issue in my life and today I need to make a change. I need to go from from a tongue that's willing to talk about others or ears that are willing to listen to gossip. I need to make a change to be positive and encouraging and somebody that can be trusted And today I am saying, Jesus, help me, forgive me, help me to change, help me to be one that brings encouragement in life. Would you raise your hands right now just to say, I am one of those. I need to change the way that I talk. Father, you see our hands and you know our hearts. By the power of your Spirit, would you please change us? We're going to ask you to do a work in our minds because you, you know where we are. A lot of us are dialed in. We're attracted to those conversations that we don't need to be listening to. And some of us, our minds are just dialed in to to remember the worst, to, to see the worst, to look for the negative. And we need to experience a transforming of our minds. Your word will do that and we're asking you by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word to transform our minds that we would learn to see the best to believe the best, to see the truth, and to speak positively about others. Lord, would you take those of us today, raising our hands and exposing our hearts, and would you change us from the inside out? Use us to bless and not to curse. Use us to bring life and not death. And we appreciate so much your your patience and your faithfulness in how you work in us. We offer ourselves to you today. And thank you for the privilege of being called and used. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.